So one thing I want to be really clear about at Church of the Cross, and it's probably clear, and if it is, just you know, humor me for being able to say it one more time. But I think it's a helpful reminder, and it was something that just struck me uh, a bit of, like a lightning bolt this week when I was actually listening to s- someone else. Sometimes when I'm listening to somebody else preach or teach from the Bible, things kind of come to me, and I was like, that's something I need to say on Sunday. But it's simply this. It's that the call to, to follow Jesus is a call to be changed. And Jesus never asks us to, to come to him and to stay the same. He, he always calls us to, some, to, to become something new. And I, I suppose the, the warning in this is that, that we might sometimes just associate with Jesus and intend, really, just to stay the same. And intend to keep you know, to compartmentalize, to put Jesus in sort of one place of our lives and then just to go on about life as we seem to think it should be lived. And we, we, we just kind of come with a casualness and, and it's the other things in the world that shape us and, and form us. When in reality, the call to be a disciple, the call to follow Jesus is a call to be literally transformed, to be made something new and different. Um, it's a call to be like Jesus, ultimately. And it's in the broader, broader context of that call to follow Jesus that this sermon that we've been looking at for many weeks, and we've got a few more weeks to go in Luke 6, it's in that context that we hear these words of Jesus because Jesus in this sermon is actually saying to his followers or saying to the, the, the people of Israel, he's saying, you know, if you're a part of my kingdom, this is what you will be like. You'll end up becoming like this. You will literally be changed and you will begin to live in a new way. So, this, um, these words that he's giving us, which have been radical, they've been challenging. We've talked about loving our enemies, doing good, giving with no expectations of return. We've, we've talked about a lot of these things that are, that are pretty extreme. But Jesus is saying, if you come and if you associate with me, this is how you will begin to live. You'll be transformed. So, in other words, what I said, when we're called to Jesus, we're called to be transformed. Jesus, in this sermon, is saying the same thing. This is what you're called to be like. Not just to stay the same as you would always be, but to literally be changed into something else. So, painting that picture then, um, we're going to hit these two verses, verse 37 and verse 38. I'm just going to read them again. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Two, two prohibitions followed by two commands followed by an explanation of the principle of these short verses. Now, this is not a brand new theme that's being introduced in, in, this, in these two verses tonight, he's, he's in a way, he's kind of tying together some of the things that have already come before, uh, before this text that I just read to you. But he is, once again, casting, uh, painting a picture of the life of his followers and showing us what it, what it is to look like. So these two, prohib- two prohibitions, don't judge and don't condemn. And then these two commands, to forgive and to give. Um. How many of you have been talking to somebody about your Christian faith and maybe making a statement about what you believe God has revealed and, and someone, the person sitting across the table from you says, wait, 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 wait a minute. 
Doesn't the Bible say, judge not lest ye be judged? How how can you tell me that that this is right and this is wrong or this is the way things are supposed to be and this isn't? You know, doesn't the Bible say this? I think it's actually probably one of the more quoted verses of the scriptures, um, perhaps not, not all that known, and certainly often and always quoted out of context. Judge not, and you will not be judged. What are we to make of of that call to to not judge? I just want to say um, clearly that that this call not to judge is not the call of our culture to tolerance in the way that our culture calls us to tolerance. By which I mean that we forego any kind of statement or opinion about the, the relative value of someone or something or some way of life in order to equally affirm every different option, every different way as, as equally valid. Uh, this, this is really the way of our culture. This is kind of the idol of our culture. It's this thing that we call tolerance. Now, of course, as followers of Jesus, we're called to, to be tolerant. Um, but that does not mean that we then, therefore, sort of throw caution to the wind and just say, well, you know, anything goes, anything goes. In fact, There are many other places in the biblical text where we see, I mean, Paul, for just a couple examples, Galatians 1, Paul says, you know, if anybody else preaches a gospel different than the gospel that I'm preaching, let him be accursed. Sounds kind of like a judgment to me. Uh, Jesus in John 7, 24 says, don't judge by appearance, but judge with right judgment. Or to, to prove the point even more, in Matthew 7, where this verse also comes up, Matthew 7, verse 1, judge not, um, lest ye be judged, King James there, um, he then goes on to say, don't, don't throw your, your, your pearls before the swine. Five verses later. Well, how are you going to know what's swine and what's not if you're not making judgments? If you're not making judgments. So what's not meant by Jesus here is that we're not to have uh, a thoughtful mind according to the, to the will of God. And we're not to just throw away God's revealed word and say, you know what, anything goes. So I, I don't want you to leave here and think, you know, well, really what Jesus is saying is I'm not supposed to go up to anybody, maybe especially anybody I love, and say, you know what, you're living the wrong way. Or to go up to, you know, maybe just to go up to somebody who's, who's thinking about committing adultery and say, you know what, I don't know what to say to you. That's not the, that's not the call that, that, that Jesus is giving here. It's something different. Let me flip it on its head for just a moment and and see if this helps to shed some light on all four of these things, actually, that Jesus is, is commending as the way of life of, of the people in his kingdom. When we judge someone, we're starting to size someone up. Have you ever been in a, I mean, okay, I was at a conference this week, and if you've ever been to a conference, you know that, that when, you know, you're standing there talking in the lobby and people are walking around that, you know, you're constantly just in this world of like, who should I talk to? You're kind of talking to the person in front of you and you're looking over their shoulder at the same time to see if somebody else is coming by that you'd rather be talking to. You know, we, we, we all, well, so there's my heart, right? Um, we all have these kinds of ways of sizing people up, don't we? You ever, you ever been standing there, a group of people walk in and immediately you're making judgments in your mind about what, you know, which person you'd really rather get, get to be around or talk to or spend time with, who's really worthy of your time. Um, it may be based on prejudices that you have of their appearance or their race or, or their, their socioeconomic um, position in the world. It may be based on, on other things, maybe, you know, 
something that you've heard about them, et cetera, et cetera. But you're starting to, to line things up and to, to make a kind of pecking order of things. You're sizing people up. You're distinguishing. It's kind of what judgment is. It's to, make dis- it's to distinguish between certain kinds of things. And it's to start making um, differences of worthy and unworthy, better and not so good. Those kinds of things. You're, you're measuring people up. And this kind of judging is, in many ways, is a prelude to disassociation, isn't it? As you begin to, to, to place judgments on people around you, part of your judging is in order to, to in some way, to, to cut certain people off or to push them away. It's a prelude to disassociation. So Jesus says, don't judge. Think back to verse 35. We looked at last week. Your heavenly Father is merciful even to the ungrateful and the evil. We get a a picture there of of, of a mercy without discrimination. So when you start to, to judge people and in so doing to disassociate yourself from them or from what God has called you to to all people, you're beginning to walk in a way that's contrary to the way of Jesus. Now this gets kind of amplified with the next one. Condemning. Condemning is kind of like a step beyond judging. Judging, you're sizing up, you're, you're sifting out, you're beginning to, to set a course to certain people and away from others. And in condemning, you're, you're saying basically, you know, I'm, the, the, the final judgment has been offered on this person or that person. It's not just a, a distinguishing of their particular kind of character, the things that you like or don't like, etc., but it's an actual kind of final statement of always or never. This person is beyond the pale, so to speak, and been pushed out and shut off and turned away. Writing somebody off for good, kind of condemning. What about not forgiving someone? So the next thing is forgiveness. Jesus says, you know, forgive and you will be forgiven. What about not forgiving? What's, what's the kind of mindset behind not forgiving someone? It's interesting, actually, that the, the word forgiveness in Greek is, is, a, it's a, it's a, um, a, a word combined from two other words. I forgot the name for that for just a second. Um, compound word, I think. There we go. And, and it's, uh, it's these kind of to send and away from. Kind of to send away, so to speak. When, when, when you don't forgive someone, you hold a position, you hold the upper hand. When somebody wrongs you, when somebody does something against you that hurts you, and you withhold forgiveness, you're maintaining the upper hand, you're maintaining the bondage, you're maintaining the debt that they owe to you. You're not releasing. You're not letting them go. So you're staying in a position of having the upper hand over another person. That's what it means not to forgive. And then the last one, give, and it will be given to you. So to not give is something we've kind of looked at in the weeks past, but basically just to cling to your stuff and to be unaware or at least unaffected by the needs of those around you. Just to kind of hold to your own, to be consumed by your own um, to be consumed by your own needs, your own sphere, your own horizon, so that, such that the people around you don't seem to have any claim upon you at all, withholding that clenched fist over and against the open hand. So to, 
I want to look at those opposites of what Jesus commends here to, to, in a sense, give a picture of what he's preaching against. It's this picture of someone who has taken the upper hand, someone who's taken into their own world the position that they are not meant to have of distinguishing, discriminating, um, trapping, ignoring. That's the picture of the opposites. It's a bringing a limitation, some kind of limit. It's setting limits to our obligations. It's a spirit, an internal spirit of kind of better than. When you judge people, when you start kind of sizing people up, there's a sense in which you've placed yourself in a position of superiority, a position of being able to make that kind of judgment. Same when you, when you condemn people. This way of life that Jesus is preaching against is most obviously seen in our lives when it comes to our enemies, isn't it? Who's the hardest person not to judge? Who's the hardest person not to condemn? Who's the hardest person not to forgive? Or to forgive, I should say. Who's the hardest person to give to? Your enemy. Right? Those people that make your life challenging and difficult. Those people that have hurt you and wounded you. And Jesus has already addressed that coming up to this point. To, in a sense, to prove the point. So the, the, the context of Jesus is commending, not judging, not condemning, forgiving and giving, is verses 35 and 36, which is the context of the mercy of God. This kind of teaching comes up in uh, Jesus' ministry in other places. Matthew 6, Matthew 18, both of those dealing with forgiveness. For if you do not forgive your brother, then your father will not forgive you. Same kind of idea that we find in this text. The context of both of those sections as well is a context of the forgiveness, really the mercy of God. Same context here. He's just said, be merciful even as your father is merciful. And he's shown that the Father's mercy is indiscriminate. It's it's being given to the ungrateful and to the wicked. The very people that God would be right and just in not giving mercy to, he's giving mercy to. So we have this context of God's mercy. And the essence of what Jesus is saying is, if you've known this mercy, if you've digested this mercy of your Heavenly Father, then you cannot live this way. You cannot live a judgmental life. You cannot live a life of condemning. You cannot live a life of withholding forgiveness. And you cannot live a life of not giving. It's inconsistent with one who has known and understood and internalized and experienced the mercy of their Heavenly Father toward them. Because you've been forgiven. You've been blessed. You've received things that you didn't deserve. Most of all, the glorious love of God in Christ has been given to you. And to go out and to live a life of withholding forgiveness, of withholding your stuff, of judging and sizing people up so that as a a means of disassociating, as a means of withholding your love from them and condemning others is to be fundamentally inconsistent 
with the, the Father's mercy that you have known. In other words, there is this larger context of the world that we find ourselves in as people, and it's a context of mercy, of God's mercy being poured out upon his people. And to live in those ways that are opposite of the, of the way of receiving mercy is to live inconsistently with the mercy that God has given. Instead, we're called to live like Jesus lived. And it's interesting in Luke 9 when Jesus says to go make some preparations uh, among these Samaritans that the Samaritans say, it says that they rejected Jesus. They didn't receive him. And so James and John say, Lord, you know, should we condemn them? And it just simply says that Jesus rebuked them. In John 3, Jesus says, you know, I didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. On the cross, when your enemies have been most painful to you, most brutal to you, when it's hurting the most, and when it doesn't seem like there's any way out, surely that's a time to withhold. Isn't it? But it's in that moment that Jesus, followed by Stephen, I'm sure followed by many martyrs down in the history of the church, says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. In the context of the mercy of God, the call is to follow and to be like Jesus, to be generous and to be merciful without discrimination. Literally without discrimination. To be pouring out Because you have known and tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Because you have known that you are now more rich than you could ever be. Not in stuff, things, and toys, but in in love, in life, in hope, in a future. And is to start to give and to live out of that abundance. And as we do, what does it say in verse 38? It says, Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. This is a, 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 an illustration from Jesus' day of going into the grain house and taking your measuring cup to buy some grain and handing it over to the guy who's, who's standing at the big pile of grain. And he, he scoops out the grain, and more often than not, you'd get scooped a little bit short. It would be kind of just under, or there'd be air pockets in, in the cup, and, and you'd be giving it back, and you wouldn't get a full amount. And instead, you get this picture of the one scooping out the grain pressing it down, you know, pushing as hard as he can with his might to pack as much in there, shaking it so all the air pockets go out, and then f- filling it to full so that it flows over, and then throwing it back into you so that it falls into the fold of your garment. Not only what's filling up and overflowing out of the cup, but what's now falling off into your garment. That's the kind of, of life-giving love and generosity and mercy that's being flowed back into you. That's the picture of a God who's literally a fountain of life, who's overflowing with life, pouring it out on you again and again and again and again. And would we try to bottle that up? Would we try to only give that to certain people in our lives? Would we try to be kind of hoarding of that kind of life? Or would we be these conduits for that life and that mercy to flow through us without discrimination to the, to the people around us and often and indeed the very people that drive us crazy, that hurt us, that wound us? That's the call that Jesus gives to the people of God.
And then he closes in this section that we're looking at tonight. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And this is a stern warning to the people of God. It's one that we need to hear in the church. It's one that we probably don't love to talk about. It seems in some ways a a bit scandalous, but I I think very clearly Jesus is using this to, to motivate, to remind us of this call to live in that fountain of life that is our Heavenly Father, to live in that way of generosity and life giving. He says, you know, if you're the grain guy and you're trying to put as many air pockets in, you're trying to kind of keep it as low as you can and you're giving it to other people that way, if you're judging, if you're condemning, if you're sizing people up, if you're withholding forgiveness, if you're living in this stingy, miserly, self-centered kind of way, then what you're saying is that you want God to treat you in the same way. What you're saying is that the way that you are dealing with others is the way that you want your father to deal with you. Which is to say that you don't get it. That you've missed it. That you've been self-deceived. You've never understood the mercy of your heavenly father. So it's this kind of warning to say, look at our lives. Look at the way we live and interact with others and to ask, have I understood the mercy of God? The grace of God, the life of God, the love of God? And am I pouring that out to people around me? Don't misunderstand the warning. Jesus goes to the cross for you. He goes to the cross for you because there will be times in your life this week when you will judge. And when you will withhold forgiveness. And when you will not reflect the life of your father. But he he goes there that you might know his forgiveness in the day to day of, of everyday life. But the warning is, is that if you live a lifestyle, not episode here, episode there. But if you live an entrenched lifestyle in this way, you have been deceived. And claim Jesus. Because the people in my kingdom, they'll be like this fountain of life, indiscriminately flowing to the people around them. That's the call upon us in response to the mercy of a God who's kind and ungrateful, kind kind to even the evil and the ungrateful. We serve an amazing God. And the life that he shows us to live here through his son Jesus is a life that reflects the abundant life and generosity of the the one that we call Father.